0: Welcome to episode 86 of the Fabulously Keto podcast. And while I'm recording this intro, I'm actually on holiday. And so I'm using my computer microphone rather than my normal podcasting microphone. So it be interesting to see how this comes out. This podcast is with Carrie Brown. Now, Carrie Brown, I've known of for a long time, many, many years, through various different podcasts, and I've listened to her on various different podcasts. But she was also recommended to us by Renee Jones of in episode 68. This is a very long podcast. And what I did was I put it to the vote in the Fabulously Keto Facebook group and asked them to vote on should it be one episode or split it over two. And the unanimous vote was one. I guess if somebody doesn't like long, long pod, well, I can't speak. I guess if somebody doesn't like long podcasts, they won't be listening to this because they will have seen how long it is. Carrie didn't start keto for weight loss, so she talks about her reasons for starting, and then we talk ice cream, and then Carrie shares a recipe with us. So Carrie's bio is very short. She says. Carrie Brown is a keto cookbook author, commercial food photographer, professional recipe developer and general badass. She lives in the middle of nowhere, New England with a bunch of cats, a ridiculous amount of cocoa powder and far too many tripods. Okay, so let's go and listen to the podcast with Carrie Brown. Welcome, Carrie, to the Fabulously Keto podcast. It's fabulous to have you with us today.
2: Hi, Jackie. It's fabulous to be here.
0: And we always start with, where in the world are you?
2: I am in the middle of nowhere, rural Connecticut. I live in a little village on the south coast of Connecticut in a forest.
0: Lovely. It is lovely,
2: actually. (laughs) Uh, And right now, it's still, um, I say midwinter. It's uh, absolutely beautiful. Blue skies, sunshine. Uh, It did snow all day yesterday, so it looks like that kind of fairy tale winter wonderland right now.
0: Lovely. Yeah. I'm heading off to uh, Switzerland next week, so I probably have a bit of the same view. Yes,
2: except with more hills.
0: Yeah. It's not very hilly,
2: (laughs) (laughs) but it is very beautiful. By the time this comes out.
0: Sorry. By the time this comes out, we'll both be in summer by then, probably. Yay. So I know your story very well, but tell our listeners your story and how you got into keto because it wasn't for weight loss, was it?
2: No, uh, and that, that's a good thing because mostly uh, being keto, even though I've been keto for it'll be nearly seven years, um, weight loss never really happened for me. Oh. Um, Uh, keto. Actually, I think that I lost 10 pounds in the first three months and then nothing. So if you think that keto is just for weight loss, you may be sorely disappointed. Um, And one of the reasons why I still love to talk about my story is because one of the things that worries me about keto is that people dismiss it. Because, oh, that's just for weight loss, mm. and and I don't want the world to equate keto with weight loss. One, because I, I, that, that didn't work for me, and while it works for a lot of people, there's so much more benefit to keto than weight loss. I kind of feel like weight loss is the the cherry on the icing on the cake. Yeah. Wow. Um, for many people, I think, came to keto for other reasons. And a lot of people come to keto for the weight loss, and then realize all the other benefits they get, and they stay for everything else. So I'm just really kind of passionate about keto not becoming synonymous with weight loss. And so people don't even consider it for anything else Mm. so that's why I love to talk about what benefits I got from keto to help that not become a thing
0: yeah I mean too I I I think you know that's where I go with with my coaching is it's you might get some weight loss and weight loss will be fabulous but that's not what we're aiming for it's the health benefits
2: right and I, I think people slowly are coming to realize that if you focus on the health then over time automatically the weight tends to just sort itself out yeah. and I, I and to be clear I, I didn't come to keto for weight loss but you know i'm not I, i've never been overweight i've never really had uh, a struggle with weight like a lot of people so um i've always been quite small so that's why i i am so passionate about making sure that people understand the full gamut of of benefits that you can get from keto it's a health lifestyle it's not a weight loss lifestyle although there is one benefit that that you know tens maybe hundreds of thousands of people have now discovered
0: yeah And, and like for me, I did lose weight in the beginning in the first two years. I probably lost three and a half to four stone, which is 50 to 56 pounds. That's huge. Well done. Well done, that girl. Especially as I only wanted to lose about 14 pounds. um, I thought just to get back to where I was, that's that was my goal. But, but it's, 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 it's stayed where it is now. And I could still do with losing another. 30 pounds, something like that, to get into a healthy weight range. But there we go. So, why did you get into keto?
2: It was kind of accidental. I in I have always struggled with depression ever since I can remember having memories of anything. Like, so you know, from as a four-year-old, I remember feeling or rather, maybe I should say not feeling. There was just I didn't have a word for it. I now know, or as I get older, I realized that was depression. But when you're four, you don't really have a name for for what it is you're going through. And if if depressed thoughts and and kind of you know black cloud thinking is all you've ever known, then that's your normal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did know that there was something that wasn't quite right just because the feedback I got from my family and people around me was that I was, you know, I was always sad and, and I was a bit of a pain in the butt. And, you know, so I knew that something wasn't right, but I didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. And then I got into my teens and that's when I really kind of started to to understand like, 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 I don't seem to think the way that everybody else thinks, and there's no joy and and I have a good life. I have a roof over my head and parents that pay bills and um you know, and I get clothed and fed like why am I not happy? Why do I not know this joy that everyone else seems to feel and so that's when I kind of started exploring. Like, what is wrong with me? And I knew, I I studied nutrition just, you know, in my early teens, I started devouring books on nutrition and particularly um, vitamins and um, minerals and and kind of the the micronutrients. And I did A-level food and nutrition. Yeah. Back when A-level a- a- still a thing? I don't even know. Yeah, they are. Um, but um, I did A-level food nutrition and chemistry and zoology. So I was very much, and I was actually destined to do dietetics at university. That's what I had planned to do. So I was deeply into nutrition. And I used to spend Saturday afternoons reading labels at the local health food store. <laughs> and um, I was always there. I just became fascinated with with. With how our bodies worked, and if you kind of were deficient in this vitamin, what happened? And so I knew in my teens that um, all the signs pointed to the fact that I was deficient in vitamin B. But I could eat vitamin B and I sought out the best ones and I ate them like they were candy and I ate nothing. And so after a while, I was like, well, I must be wrong. So I kind of, I I didn't give up on the nutrition, but nothing that I tried worked. And, of course, back then, like homeopathy wasn't a thing. Naturopaths were like witch doctors. <laughs> like it was very, yeah. in, in England, it was very much like everyone thought I was a complete weirdo. And, of course, that kind of medicine was incredibly expensive back then, and I'm a teenager. So I kind of had to drop that that line of thought. Well, fast forward years, and I was um, – there were times when my depression became unmanageable, and I would go to the doctor and they would give me antidepressants, and I'd take them for a month, but they didn't really do anything. And so I would stop until it became unmanageable again. Then I'd go to a doctor and they'd give me an antidepressant. They didn't really do anything, but I, I would stop. And so that was a cycle for me for a while. And then in, I don't remember what year it was, I'd, I'd moved to the States and where healthcare is very different, but I moved to the States and I became unmanageably depressed and, Over the course of a year, they had me. They tried me on five different antidepressants. One of them made me violent, and I'm not a violent person. I was throwing furniture across the room. I assaulted (laughs) my then partner. Um, The uh, another one made me suicidal. Every single one of them had the disastrous side effects but didn't help the depression. The last one I was on was one of the kind of tri- old tricyclic antidepressants because they were running out of options. And I started having 24 by 7 panic attacks. And I that went on for six weeks and I couldn't sleep. Even on double dose Ambien, which is a very heavy duty sleep aid here, even double dose Ambien won't make me go to sleep. So after six weeks, I, I literally thought I had lost my mind. And so one day, I decided I'm just going to stop. I, I'm just going to have to, you know, drag my behind through life because I none of this is working. I I'm 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 going to die if I can't get some sleep soon. Yeah. And well, so I just decided I'm going to stop taking everything. So I stopped taking everything. The panic attacks stopped, thankfully. I started being able to sleep again, thankfully. But the depression was still there. And I was just like, I'm just going to have to learn how to drag myself through life. Because, you know, like nobody seems to be yeah, Nobody can help me. Like uh, I've tried so much stuff. Nobody can help me. So how, I just.
0: How old were you at this point? How, how how long had gone on with this with all the pills and backwards and forwards and
2: oh so that was um sorry, my thirties
0: mm-hmm.
2: at that point. I don't know, I looked for timelines, but um it had been my whole life and I was well into adulthood by then. I was in my thirties. Right. Um so i kind of learned how to fake my way through life you know because if you if you turn up at work and that can be career limiting if you if you outwardly show that you're depressed at work and so i just learned how to fake it when i was around other people and then when i was at home on my own alone then you know me and a bottle of port would get me through the times when i was alone and give me enough kind of you know dutch courage to fake it when i was with people because i just realized that if i didn't do that like life was pretty unbearable if you were in a constant state of depression because people didn't don't want to be with you they mm. they just don't want to be with you and and even though I, and I think there's so much, although it's getting better, there's so much stigma around mental health. And, and there's very much the, maybe especially in Britain, the stiff upper lip and the, you know, just, um, oh, go serve soup in a kitchen or just go help someone else or stop being so, or all of that. Yeah. Like
0: completely unhelpful nonsense. It wasn't and, well understood by but, most people. Uh,
2: and so, unless you want to live with that all day long, which is not helpful, which actually drives you in the other direction, you just fake it. So that's what I did for for a while, and then in twenty thirteen, I and and so that kind of went on, and I was like cyclically depressed. I'd go through times where I was super depressed, and then I. would then it would kind of come out of it, and, and then I'd go through more times. And I just learned to surf the waves. And um, But in 2013, and I, and I built a good life for myself, but in 2013 I had a, a full mental break, ended up my therapist called the cops, and, of course, this is America, so it was very dramatic. And And the cops came to my house, and they put me, well, it was like a medical arrest. So I was handcuffed, I'm handcuffed to the gurney, I'm in the ambulance, I'm at the ER, under the armed guard, because, you know, America. <laughs> and um, it, it was that really that kind of was the turning point for me, because I, I managed to get myself out of that situation, although by, that was a really close call, because in America they – they have the right to commit you. And I have no idea what the rules are, what the laws are in England, but it, certainly in Washington State, where I was living at, at the time I was living in Seattle, There, they actually, by law, they can commit you without your permission, call it involuntary, um, for two weeks. And I'm single and I've got a bunch of cats at home and i got a big job at Microsoft. And I'm like, if I just disappear for two weeks and nobody knows where I am and, like, I'm going to lose my job and then my whole life is going to go down the toilet. So I managed to get myself out of the hospital and home. But that whole episode was so terrifying to me because I realized how vulnerable I was to, like, my life just imploding. Yeah. That – that was kind of really the catalyst for everything that came after that
0: so did you have to sort of fake fake it again to get out of the to get out the police and and,
2: and it was an oscar worthy winning performance let me tell you (laughs) (laughs) that that luckily for me it all happened at nine o'clock at night so by the time they got to the point where they had decided that they were going to commit me involuntarily because I was being a real brat at that point I'd been up for two days I hadn't slept for two days I hadn't eaten for two days I had worked some crazy like 36 hours in the last two days I was absolutely uh, so I kind of lost the ability to be a reasonable human by that point and so I was lippy to the police and that didn't go down well Um, And once they put me in handcuffs, I got really lippy because what (laughs) else was there to lose at that point? So my British sarcasm was on full display. Um, But when I got to the hospital and I actually realized the position I was in and but it was nine o'clock at night. So by the time they got to the point where it became an involuntary committal, I was suddenly like. I suddenly realized the position that I was in. Luckily for me, because this happened in the middle of the night, they before they can commit you, they have to have, a, there's a person called the county assessor has to come to the hospital and interview you. There, there's a whole process to go through before they can actually do it. And luckily for me, I had five hours. That's how long it took for the, the county assessor to get to me. So I had five hours to kind of, psych myself into Oscar mode (laughs) and and that's what I did and when she came I I persuaded her that I was okay I was no longer a harm to myself I and she let me go home but one of and there were a lot of conditions somebody had to come and get me and take me home I had to report one of the things that I had to agree to do was that I had to have a psychiatric evaluation. And of course, I agreed to that because I just realized I had had to get myself out of this, of of being committed. So I did all that. And then I started, I went for a psychiatric evaluation. And so then, of course, that was the point at which they diagnosed me with bipolar 2 disorder, as opposed to unipolar depression which is what they diagnosed me for my whole life right. and that actually was so eye-opening because it turns out that if you give someone with bipolar medications for unipolar bad things happen which had been my experience my whole life was be they gave me antidepressants and bad things happened, but they didn't stop they just gave me a different antidepressant.
0: yeah I'll just change it
2: so so that was like, oh, well, that makes like my whole life make sense now why none of the antidepressants work. So I was um, diagnosed with bipolar 2 disorder. So for if you don't know, there's, there's various forms of bipolar. Bipolar 1 is the bipolar you read about in the news. That's the driving 110 in a 30, thinking you can fly and jumping off buildings, spending $50,000 on credit cards in on one Saturday afternoon that you have nowhere to repay. That's the kind of the crazy manic behavior, the thing that will end you up in jail or dead or, or or bankrupt. I don't have that. I have bipolar 2 disorder, which is where you have brief periods of hypermania. So it's not manic like bipolar 1. It's brief moments of, of hypermania with with deep, long depressions, so it's kind of the opposite of bipolar one. bipolar one, you have these kind of periods of mania with, with lesser periods of depression. So, yeah. is the opposite.
0: the other way mm-hmm.
2: So my hypermania, which I actually miss, is showed up for me. It showed up for basically turning into superwoman, but in a good way. so I uh, my first cookbook I wrote in five weeks like who writes a cookbook in Who, uh, while doing a 60 hour a week job at Microsoft, I might add, I wrote a cookbook in five weeks. Um, so my hypermania showed up as being incredibly, my brain was on fire. I was incredibly productive. I could stay up for weeks. I it was just like, Ta-da! superwoman. I really miss that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was diagnosed with bipolar 2 disorder. And then they started this merry-go-round. And I'm sure there's lots of people listening to this podcast who have had a similar experience with mental health issues where you kind of get on this merry-go-round and there's all these doctors and psychiatrists and psychotherapists. And, they're, and, and how it works, at least in, in the US, how it works is you, you pay a psychiatrist $350 for half an hour and, and, and they say, okay, we we put you in this box over here called Bipolar 2 because the, the things you're experiencing are very similar to all the other people in this box. So we're going to put you in that box. We're going to give you this label of Bipolar 2. And then we're going to start experimenting. They don't say that out loud. <laughs> so then they're like, okay, so all a lot of the people in that box we've just put you in respond really well to this drug so we are going to give you this drug and we're going to see what happens yeah so they put me on that drug and i basically became a zombie it was like the zombie apocalypse had only showed up at my house and again i'm single and i've got six cats to support i have gotta go to work and it was as much as i could do to function so after two weeks, I said, no, 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 no. I'd rather have the craziness of bipolar than, than do this. So then they tried me on something else. And then they tried me on something else. And, <laughs> you know, and, and so here we are nine months later. Um, I actually, despite all of these bipolar medications they had me on or had me on, um, I became suicidally depressed to the point where I actually had to take a medical leave from work. Um, and I was off work for, I want to say, three months. And they did then find something that was kind of working. So I went back to work, but then they were still, I was still showing up at the, the psychiatrist's every week for $350. You know, it was kind of madness. And what would happen was I'm a very deep thinker so i would go and i'd go hey mr psychiatrist i was thinking about this what do you think about that and he'd go that's a great idea let's try that and then after a few weeks of that i'm like hang on a minute so i'm paying you 350 bucks for tell me, me to share my idea and you to approve it like <laughs> what the hell so I kind of, uh, but I had to go because that was the agreement. So I kind of went on with that for a little bit. And then I, the timeline gets a bit fuzzy, but at some point I went to see my regular, my what you would call in England a GP. And he said to me, I have a lot of, um, history with depression, my father's de- blah, 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 bipolar, whatever, I'd like you to try this drug called Lamotrigine, which is an anti-seizure medication. So those of you who know keto will kind of be going, ah. Mm. Oh, so l- l- let me try your Lamotrigine. And I have to tell you, it was magical. I, I started taking it and you-, you titrate up. So you start at like 25 milligrams and then you, you slowly ramp it up because there's this weird dangerous rash thing you can get if you go too fast anyway so he puts me on lamotrigine and three days later it was literally like somebody had turned the lights on mm. in my life and i think i felt joy true joy for like the first time ever in my life and it was amazing and and so that went on for like six months and i had this new light And I got a new job still at Microsoft, but I got a new job. And, I mean, it was just glorious. I started road tripping again. It was just, it was, I started doing photography again. It was just like, wow. Six months later, after I started, I became suicidally depressed. So I go back to the doctor and I'm like, really? I thought like, and he's like, it's okay, We'll, we'll double the dose. So we doubled the dose and the joy came back. Six months later, I became suicidally depressed. And their response to that was, that's okay, we'll just double the dose. But, you know, there were side effects to this drug as well. And I'm like, at at that point, I just kind of lost it. And I went, you know what, this is BS. Like, am I going to spend my life doubling the dose or waiting for the shoe to drop? And what if the shoe drops... And doubling the dose doesn't work. And what if the shoe drops when I can't double the dose and I kill myself in the meantime? Like, I mean, this is not a solution. Like, also, why is nobody asking the critical question, which is, why does Karen yeah. bipolar? Like, nobody. All of the psychiatrists, the the psychotherapists, the doctors, like, Nobody had ever said, why do you have bipolar? And I asked, and they're like, well, we don't know. I'm like, I'm sorry, but this is just, you know, bleep, bleep, bleep. Like, stop it. So I decided, because I am mostly crazy, I decided that I was going to find out why I had bipolar. Yeah. That something caused it. Is Is, is it genetic? Is it, like, was I born like it? Like, is it, is it the environment? Is there some kind of weird? Because I've read enough books to know that, that, that toxins can can really do weird things to you, that, that even sugar can do really weird things to you. And yeah. so I'm like, was it environmental? Was it, is, is it a food sensitivity gone crazy? Is it, is it the food I'm eating? Is it like there's all of these variables? Why am I bipolar? And so I decided I was going to find out. Of course, everybody thought I was completely mad because, no, uh, it, it's, you know, it's a disease. And they, no, I don't accept that. I no. don't accept that. I just think it's a bunch of symptoms that you lump together and give a name to. I don't think bipolar is a thing. And of course, there was all this, you know, shock and horror from the various medical people in my life. So I, decided to start with genetics because that's a that's a given right my genetics are what they are my dna yep. is whereas everything else was so variable that i thought well let's start with genetics and see what happens there if there's anything there and then i'll go forward so i you know 23 andme me spat in a tube sent it off six weeks later i get my dna back and I actually, like, bingo, first time. Should have bought a lottery ticket that same week. But anyway, um, it turns out that two things happen as a result of the DNA. One, it turned out that I had this kind of genetic wrinkle called MTHFR. And also, I met Dr. Ted Naiman on Twitter. Mm. He started following me, which I was like, why is a doctor following me? And I know I, I'd been on a podcast, on a health podcast for quite a few years at that point. And so, you know, I had a bit of a name out there and kind of people knew me, but not for keto, but just for kind of healthy living, certainly. And that was definitely very low carb and and sugar free, grain free. So I was already down that road. Um So I asked Dr. Neyman, since he started following me on Twitter, I reached out to him and said, you know, I've got this this DNA thing. Like, I can't read it. Like, this report is mad. What do I do with it? And he said, well, I'm not an expert on DNA, but I'll I'll see what I can do to help you. And um, it turns out that his office was 11 miles from my house, which was like, okay. So we actually, we met for coffee. and. I had super Rolls, Rolls Royce insurance with Microsoft, so you know I wasn't looking for a free ride. But during our conversation, I mentioned that I had bipolar two disorder, and he said, "Oh, I think I can help you with that." So, since I wasn't looking for a free ride, I, I kind of called his office and made an appointment and, and went to see him. And he said, which is where this all starts to make sense now. He said. Um, I'd like to put you on the keto diet, and I'm like, okay. And he said because the the ketogenic diet was originally developed to help children with seizures, and it either it was incredibly good at either reducing them significantly or eliminating them altogether. Mm. Now, you are on lamotrigine. The one thing that has historically worked has been lamotrigine, which is an anti-seizure medication. So it kind of makes sense to me that if if um, the ketogenic diet helps children with seizures, then maybe it would work for you, seeing as, as though an anti-seizure medication works for you. So it was actually Dr. Ted Naiman who put me on the ketogenic diet. At the same time, um, I discovered that I had this genetic wrinkle. And, and armed with those two things was what seriously, like, turned my whole life around. And I'm not being dramatic when I say that. And, and anyone listening who has severe depression or bipolar or any other mental health disorder will know that I'm not being dramatic. Um, so, Bear in mind that, that when Dr. Naiman put me on keto, it was like super hardcore because we were not doing it for weight loss. Yeah. We were we were trying to heal my brain. So we were, you know, he had me peeing on on ketone sticks, and we were trying. We the aim was purple, purple pea sticks. <laughs> Because we wanted me to be in deep ketosis. Now, if you're doing keto for weight loss, you 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 don't need you don't need lots of ketones. You just need some. Yep. You don't need lots. I was going for lots. So for three months, I was super super hardcore keto. Um, I did lose ten pounds. Very
0: very high fat. Very
2: very high fat. Also at the same time, I also had like every food sensitivity test known to man done and when that came back and we layered keto on top I was left with nine things that I could eat so that was fun (laughs) and I also had to eat them in rotation I couldn't eat them I had to rotate four day rotation so I had this spreadsheet with meal planning was the easiest meal plan ever I had this spreadsheet which basically had them the nine things, but in rotation, three meals in rotation over four days. So it's like, oh, I'm having hazelnuts for breakfast or, oh, I'm having bison for dinner with nothing else, like just hazelnuts or bison or what I don't remember. What were the things? Pork, thank goodness, pork was one of them. Um, lamb. Duck. 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 Um, I can't remember what. the One of them was hazelnuts. I ate a lot of hazelnuts in those three months. I can't remember what the other things were. Anyway. I went super super hardcore keto for three months. And also, I was working with a naturopath because Dr. Name is a regular family physician. So he's not into the kind of the naturopathic and you know, vitamins and all of that. So I was seeing a naturopath as well. She helped me navigate this MTHFR thing. So it turns out that that if you have this genetic wrinkle and they have estimated that about a third of the population have it. You may not have the symptoms of it, but if you have it on your gene, that means that at any point it could suddenly just start doing weird things. So one of the things that um, it does is that it means that, that people like me, we can't methylate. And methylation is a process that happens in your body lots and lots of processes require methylation i'm really bad at it because i've got this dodgy gene so one of the things that methylation is required for is b vitamins so when we eat b vitamins we can't do anything with them we have to methylate them first now i can't methylate or i'm very bad at it so I do it very poorly which essentially means that um, I could eat B vitamins till the cows come home. I'm not going to get any benefit because I can't methylate them to make them into a usable form. Yeah. So I was right back when I was a teenager that I knew it was B vitamins, but taking B vitamins did nothing. So I was like, so I must be wrong. Like, but I revisited that so many times and I'm like, but taking them doesn't help me. So I must be wrong. I was actually right. The piece I was missing, because I don't but think you knew that back then, the piece I was missing was that I needed vitamins, vitamins, sorry, I forgot who I was talking to. Um, <laughs> I needed vitamins that had been pre-methylated, which is a thing. So because I cannot methylate, I had basically been seriously deficient in B vitamins my entire life. Now, why is that important? Because the number one function of B vitamins is neurotransmitter health. Mm -hmm. So, my whole life, my neurotransmitters have been like, uh, you know, just not able to do their job. So, it's really no wonder that I had been depressed my whole life and that, you know, it turns out that I had bipolar disorder, these kind of waves of deep depression, and then not. Because my neurotransmitters had never had the nutrients they needed in order to function properly, so we're bathing my brain in in ketones, and I'm now taking methylated B vitamins. Vitamins, and um, six weeks later, so I'd been on keto a total of twelve weeks. I'd been on the methylated B vitamins six weeks. I also discovered I was uh, intolerant to gluten, which probably wasn't helping me either. Um, The other thing about methylation or people with MTHFR is we find it our livers don't clean very well. We're not very good at detoxing. Mm -hmm. So um, we kind of get, you know, yeah, we just kind of internally can get toxic because we find it very difficult to flush out all the toxic crap yeah so about six weeks after dr neyman said okay we can take you off the lamotrigine and i was terrified i have to tell you because i just i i didn't want like i didn't want to feel suicidal like i just didn't ever want to go there again that feeling of of, of hopelessness devastating hopelessness and like when you you you're depressed and you sit and look at the rest of your life and it's just like i can't anyway so i was terrified he said if you don't want to go cold turkey we can titrate you off so we we half-lived it and and then half-lived it and nothing happened and and then i think that took two or three weeks and that was in october 2015 And I have been completely unmedicated and also completely symptom free from bipolar since then, which is now what, Matt, six, six seven years?
0: Seven years. Yeah, six and a half. Yeah. Fabulous.
2: So that's my story. It's, um, I, I still, not so much anymore, but every once in a while, I'm like waiting for the shoe to drop. I think for the first few years, I was always waiting for the shoe to drop, but then it didn't. And now, and I'm, I'm an awkward cuss, and I have tried to make myself depressed. And doesn't it, 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 it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. My brain works differently now. And as I say, I've, I've tried to prove myself wrong. I've tried to, like, make it stop. And I can't can't think myself into a depression anymore. And it's fabulous, but it's also, like, incredulous to me still when I think about what life was like when I had the symptoms of what they call bipolar 2 disorder versus now. It's just my life has changed dramatically. It looks absolutely nothing like it used to look. And I, I just, it, it, that's why it's so important. That's why I'm still talking about it after six and a half years because I just, I want people to know that, that and I don't think for, for one minute that everybody who experiences the symptoms of bipolar tube disorder is going to have the same, exact same fix because it's a bunch of sy- symptoms. I don't think bipolar is a... Thing. Yeah, I think it's a collection it's of umbrella. symptoms that they've they put a name on because it helps them to manage people who have like symptoms so I don't think that all people with bipolar are going to be helped by the exact same things that helped me yeah. but I, I do want everyone listening to know that it's quite possible that you could Eliminate or drastically reduce the symptoms of bipolar and depression and other mental health issues. There, there is hope. There really is, yeah. because I can't be I can't be the only one. And I, I've spoken to either in person or on email or or social media messaging. I've spoken to thousands of people. Since I started talking out loud about this, um, I've spoken to thousands of people or or, or I've communicated with thousands of people who have told me, like, this is the most amazing thing. You know, since I started eating keto, since I eliminated carbs and sugar and and grains and, and started upping the fat, my depression has gone even if it wasn't at the kind of level of bipolar or other more serious mental health issues, like I, I, I don't get depressed anymore. I don't get mood swings anymore. I don't, and the number of bipolar people, and and I'm not saying that it's not a thing, but I haven't yet talked to anyone with bipolar who has not also discovered done the dna test and discovered that they also had mthfr i haven't met one yet that doesn't mean to say that they're not because of course my sample size is tiny so there may be a ton of people out there with bipolar that don't have mthfr but i haven't met one yet
0: yeah um and that would be for people listening that you know know somebody they are like that 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 is a great port of call as a first option to to investigate
2: so yeah so when anyone and you know i'm not I'm qualified by my own experience. I don't have any, you know, qualifications from the world, but I I do know my life better than anybody else. And I would highly encourage anybody that has a, a mental health issue to just spit in a tube, send it off, get your DNA, and see if you have mthFR they estimate that a third of the population do it's yeah it'll cost you whatever I don't know what it costs 90 pounds 100
0: pounds yeah
2: best best 90 pounds I ever spent yeah seriously like I I would I would I would bet large amounts of money on the fact that I would be dead if I had not spat in a test tube yeah because I never would have found out no one else was asking that question no one else everybody else's mo was you have these symptoms so we're going to give you this drug that was their entire mo start finish like nobody nobody wanted nobody cared why i had it nobody was interested in why i had it nobody was curious as to why i had it except me and and i think that's true of
0: many of many different conditions that let's say that you know like fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue syndrome they're just put under this umbrella but nobody knows why it's like how do we treat it but not why have you got it
2: well if you if you start if if any of this sounds familiar to you if you do research on mthfr online there are lists of the things that have been implicated in mthfr the list is staggering like miscarriages like i mean so many things have been implicated as a, basically as a result of having a dodgy mthfr gene mutation it, yeah. it's staggering if 35 33 percent of us have it and and so also to be clear you can have the gene mutation and never have any symptoms so genes, the way, and this is very lay, this is very not-doctor-speak. <laughs> to, to, so you can have a gene, but it has to express itself, and it may never do that. So you can have genes that never cause any problems, but if you have that wrinkle at any point, it could start expressing, which is what happened to me. So... Even if you don't have any symptoms but you have MTHFR, that's really good to know because if something does happen and that, that gene is triggered and it starts expressing itself, you already know the things to try yep. if you know that you have that, that MTHFR gene mutation. Um, so mine did start expressing itself. And, it, and it's also possible that, that what's happened is that it's now stopped, which is why I'm not getting any symptoms. But, you know, that's kind of very long and complicated. But just in very, very high level terms, if you do the test and you find out you have it, but you don't get any symptoms, you don't need to do anything. Yeah. You, you still treat the symptoms having that gene mutation doesn't actually mean you're ever going to get the symptoms but if you have the symptoms you've got tools there's, there's things you can do to mitigate it
0: Yeah,
2: and for me that was, was keto and also taking pre-methylated B vitamins so I spend $30 a month on B vitamins uh, and I was spending 15 hundred dollars a month on lamotrigine so do i care that i have to take these vitamins every day do i care no not even a little bit
0: yeah i was gonna say it's probably a lot less than the medication
2: yeah i mean i was spending fifteen hundred dollars a month i'm now spending 30 yeah and i have no symptoms so you know you tell me and again i'm i'm not I'm not saying that that anyone else's journey is going to be exactly the same as mine. I can, I can only tell you what's been true for me. So anecdata, as they like to call it. But I can also tell you that, that thousands of people have reported similar things to me directly to do with mental health, finding out they had MTHFR and or... The very positive effect that keto had on them, yeah, and of course, the main driver of ketosis is absence of carbs, so although for mental health issues, I've also found that the absence of carbs, obviously, but also an increase in healthy fat mm. which you may or may not have to do if your purpose for doing keto is weight loss, weight
0: loss. yeah, so how has your diet changed over the last seven years or six and a half years so you started off you were just eating those nine foods how, I did What what's it like now
2: it well actually so super recently it's changed quite a lot <laughs> um in the interim <laughs> it was just kind of I I didn't, I wasn't doing hardcore keto. I wasn't eating, you know, like 85% fat. I kind of went to just regular keto, you know, super low carbs, no sugars or anything that turns to sugar after you've eaten it, no grains, healthy fats, meat. But I do, I do like veggies. And I especially like lettuce, which I know is a bit weird, but there we go. Greens. I love the greens. And and I actually, up until very recently, have always felt a lot better when I included some greenery in my
0: diet. Mm, I remember once you talking about carnivore and how you miss vegetables. And I thought, yeah, that's me. I feel exactly the same. I can do it but I don't want to do it. Uh, yeah. I want vegetables in my life. So
2: so how would I describe my way of eating up until a few weeks ago would have been keto with a large side of lettuce. Um however 2 years ago weird things started happening to my body. And I think cuz you know covid so I honestly believe that this was was 90% stress. The, the COVID years, 2020 and the first half of twenty one, were incredibly stressful for me, mostly not because of COVID, because of something else that was going on, incredibly stressful. And I started getting migraines constantly, but also my body started being weird. Like all my joints started hurting. My I got plantar fasciitis in my heels. My legs started to hurt when I walked. I, my hips hurt like it was just like super weird i felt like my i just woke up and my body had turned into an alien and and i also started to put on well i don't know because i haven't weighed myself in so long i have no idea how much i weigh but my body was getting puffy yeah like i had friends came so well, you don't look fat but you sure look puffy but it was my whole body was kind of puffy and it was super weird and it was also super distressing. And, but, you know, we had COVID and I had this other huge stress going on in my life and the whole world was going mad and there was all the election mess here in the US. And it was just so I kind of just stuck my head in the sand and just kind of bumbled along. And I tried all the the things that normal keto people do to lose weight and i adjusted this and adjusted that and and nothing nothing made any difference and my clothes were getting tighter and ah. anyway so and i i kind of got to the point where i was just like i just i don't know what to do anymore my body is not responding to anything and i just oh, kind of threw my hands up yep. and then a month ago as you know, because I had to reschedule, us was recording this. Uh, about a month ago, I decided that I just, I had to get away. And I do landscape photography. So I drove to South Carolina and, um, and, took, and, and did photography for 12 days. I don't know, whatever, two weeks. When I road trip, it's all about photography. I don't think about food. I don't eat out. I vacation like nobody else I know. So what I decided normally, I take pork rinds and cans of sardines, and and um, if I'm if I'm really feeling it, I'll I'll buy a whole ton of pork chops and just cook pork chops at night. I just I'm it's nothing to do with food. This time I decided that I was going to eat keto chow for two meals, which now people in England, lovely people. I know you can't get it right Hmm. now, but my best friends, Chris, Miriam, Bear from Keto Chow, are working on finding a distributor in England so that you can have Keto Chow. And you're going to want Keto Chow when I tell you what happened next. So I decided to do two meals of Keto Chow a day and then a pound of meat or fish. So basically a pound of protein. And two keto chow shakes. the keto chow shakes because they're portable I don't even have to stop driving. I can drink them while I, I go and it's super simple. So I took my blender on vacation with me but I I wanted to do something radical because I was just at that point where I was like nothing's working. So instead of you adding fat to keto chow comes without the fat and you add the amount and the type of fat of your choice. Which is one of the reasons why they're so cool. So, I replaced the fat with two whole eggs. Two whole eggs have just enough fat in them to activate the the vitamins and minerals in the keto shake. You have to have some fat, otherwise, half the vitamins don't, you know, the D's and the fat-solid ones don't work. So, I replaced the fat salt with two whole eggs and then I added a tablespoon of collagen because I find collagen gives me beautiful hair. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm vain, apparently, about my hair. It's down to my waist. I feel like it needs some support. Um, And also two tablespoons of egg white powder, because I wanted to do something radical in terms of, like, let's just flip this whole thing on its head. Let's just, like, focus on protein just for two weeks while I'm busy doing photography. And so these shakes, so it was keto chow, two whole eggs, collagen, Egg
0: white, a lot of egg white powder. So, so no you didn't add any fat at all? The egg yolks. Just the egg yolks. But just the egg Yeah, the, the egg The egg yolks or the whole egg? The whole egg. Whole egg. The, yeah. the fat, in fat the is egg the egg, egg, egg yolk. yolks. Yeah. Okay. So you need you need
2: for each keto trash shake you need 10 grams of fat just to make sure that the, the your body can deliver the, the vitamins to you. So and two eggs has eleven grams of fat in. So that was my two eggs. And so the macros for that was basically 0.8 of a carb, 11 grams of fat, 60 grams of protein per shake. So I was doing two of those a day and then a pound of meat. However, because I was road tripping and I didn't want to cook, I hit on the idea of prawns because... And the ones that come pink, so if they're pink, they're already cooked. You just pull the tail off and eat them. Yep. And um, so I was like, well, that means I don't even have to cook. Plus, I can eat those in the car when I'm, you know, driving along. So for two weeks, I had two of my magical egg keto shells and a pound of prawns every day. That was wow. it. And it, I, 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 my body... <laughs> After a week, I was just like, "What is happening?" <sighs> all all the joint pain disappeared. All the and of course prawns are like one carb per pound, like one gram of fat and one hundred and three grams of protein. So I was basically eating quick math: two hundred and twenty grams of protein, two carbs, and eleven grams of fat. Although that I would have one or two coffees a day also. So there was a little bit more fat and a little bit more carbs there, but basically it was just like protein. Yeah. After the first week, I all the joint pain disappeared, the pains in my body, the pain in my hips, my legs didn't hurt, like nothing hurt anymore. I, wasn't, I had become really, really stiff, which for an ex-ballerina is kind of super weird. I'm used to being very limber. All the stiffness disappeared. I wasn't like 105 when I got out of bed in the morning. I also suddenly, my sleep just suddenly righted itself. Eight hours, boom, out. Didn't wake up, didn't go to the bathroom. Like, I suddenly had a ton of energy. I'd been really fatigued. I had a ton of energy. And I was just like, wow. And then by the end of week two, I just started losing puffiness or what, what, I don't know about weight because as I say, I'm, I haven't got a scale, so I don't know how much of weight, but I know like now my, my pants, like the, it's kind of swinging in the back there and, my tops are not bursting in the middle anymore, and I could, you know, when you lose weight, you just feel different.
0: Different, yeah.
2: And I, I and now it's like I can't stop it, or <laughs> it's just like it's just. So I don't know the mechanics. I don't know what happened, but switching to crazy protein for a period of time triggered something it did something in me that has like relit the fire that kind of got put out two years ago I'm I'm thinking that was 95% stress and I think a lot of people two years ago had that stress yep. reaction stress yep. is awful stress can do to do really awful things to you Anyway, I'm, I'm so now, and now I'm back home. So now I'm, I'm kind of like I don't think that this is a good way to eat forever. It's also boring. After you know a month, it's like, okay, prawns, I love you, but you know I, I need to date some other people. Um, so I've been changing up the meat. So I'm still doing that essentially but you know I came home and of course I have lamb chops in the freezer so I'm eating those and ground beef and you know whatever when I've eaten my way through my freezer my stock of meat that I have in the freezer I'm going to reevaluate where I am but I think at this point what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of do this for three days a week like Monday, Wednesday, Friday and then the rest of the time I'm just going to go back to Keto with a large side of lettuce. Yeah, I think I think that's kind of because obviously if this, I don't want this weight loss to continue past a certain point. Um, so I I think right now that that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do these, and essentially you you've probably heard of PSMF, which is the protein sparing modified fast. So yes. essentially, what I've been doing is protein sparing modified fast. Um, I think I'm going to end up doing that. As I say, like three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then regular keto the other days and see if that just keeps me feeling as fantastic as I feel and sleeping and energy and everything else. But but kind of keeps the, the fat, keeps my brain happy with the fat and and keeps my weight kind of at its optimum level. Yeah. So that's my plan.
0: That's really interesting.
2: But I seriously – and and again, if there's one thing we've learned about keto over the last several years, it's that it's different for everybody.
0: Yeah.
2: It is different for everybody. Absolutely. I don't know if this is going to work the same for you as it did for me, but it absolutely lit something. (laughs) Yeah. It it threw a switch somewhere in a really major way. And so I actually – my facebook group i am i you know i shared what had happened and now i have a whole bunch of people who are like I, i'm like do it for 2 weeks if it works for you great if it doesn't you know then that's not you that's fine that's great it's not going to hurt you for 2 weeks so so to anyone listening do it for two, you can do anything for 2 weeks yeah anything so try it for 2 weeks you may get the same results as me you might not you might get something in the middle but i got to say, it really broke.
0: What, it really been disrupted
2: going on? whatever had got stuck in me. It completely disrupted it. So I would say if you are stuck, then it's got to be worth a two-week yeah. shot. Mm. And if you're in the UK and you can't get Keto Show yet, although I know Chris Mirren working on it, um, you know, a another... Use whey protein, or add your own flavors, or you know there yeah. must be some clean. The only the only difference is that I think most other meal replacements already have the fat built in, so you may have to you and we I may have yourself. to do some work, lovey, to find a we uh, might a, um, a distributor a, a whey protein replacement for the keto child that
0: doesn't add the fat so you can try this as well yeah that'd be cool
2: so say so that was a very long answer to a, how do you keto now wasn't
0: it? <laughs> it is and it'll be interesting to see once you start incorporating going back to your normal keto um what changes again and I'm wondering, right. would would you would you reintroduce foods one at a time, or will you just go back to what you were doing and see how that works?
2: I will probably do one at a time, just because you know my history of food sensitivities and whatnot. I've I've learned, I'm very good at um, elimination and diet rotation and that, just because I've had to do it. Yeah. So I will probably um,
0: do one at a time. Yeah. Which is a challenge in itself. Right. It's very tempting to just go back to what you did before, which, you know, any change of diet can be challenging in that way, not not to go back to what you did before.
2: And I do. I want to say in some respects it is easier for me because I don't like cat food. And other than my food, that's the only other food in the house. So (laughs) I don't have humans um, who are demanding bad stuff. Um, So for me, in in that respect, it is probably easier for me than it is for a lot of people. And my hat goes off to you. But I still maintain you can do anything for two weeks.
0: Yeah, I do it as well.
2: I I think maybe the most important thing I learned out of all this is that i I feel in control of my body again, and that I think was probably the biggest win because it had got to the point where nothing seemed to be working, and it was just like everything becomes hopeless then because you feel powerless and you feel like I can't change it, so you just throw your hands up and just like, so what's the point? so you know I may as well just eat whatever because nothing makes any difference, so why am I Why am I, you know, eating this keto? Why am I eating this lifestyle when nothing makes a difference? I might as well just eat what I want. Yeah. And so I think that that more than anything, it stopped that feeling of hopelessness and being out of control. And now I feel like I have that back. And now I feel like I can just switch it on and off whenever I want. So now that actually... Freeze me from the cravings from the i can't have that because i feel like i'm back in control of myself
0: yeah yeah so and there that was makes-
2: a it was a big mental win for me in that way as well um which is why i w- would encourage you all to just you know try psmf for two weeks and see what happens and and if it if it just you know like reignites hope that's yeah you know two years into the pandemic that, that's got to be like a huge win
0: yeah yeah cool now before we came online yes we were talking about ice cream there was there was lots of talking before we, came. <laughs> we did we chatted for a long time didn't we so i would I just want to sort of diverge a little bit now and and go on to ice cream because as you know i've got your book yeah um and and I spoke. I told you about this. Is that I went through a phase of making yeah, but, but ice cream. My, my copy is a bit more used. In yours. <laughs> yeah. And that's because I'm not a great ice cream lover. I never was as as a pre keto anyway. But I thought I fancied ice cream, so I bought the book. I bought the churner. I went through a phase of making the vanilla one and the strawberry one because I'm not great into flavored ice creams either. So. I've probably used two pages out the whole book. Um, but I found that I was really craving it. So I'd make the ice cream and then I'd have some. And then the next night, it's like, where's my ice cream? I need some ice cream. And then I'd get some more. And it was if I didn't portion it out, I was very tempted to keep eating it. So that was quite interesting for me. So I haven't made it for several years because I think oh, I don't, I don't like that feeling of feeling out of control. It's a bit like you were just mentioning. So I'm wondering, and you say about, and I wanted to ask you a couple of things. So why xylitol? I mean, I know you've written it in the book, but maybe for our listeners, why do you focus on xylitol rather than any other sweetener? That would be a good topic to cover. And why is it all dairy? No, it's not dairy-free, egg-free. Um,
2: so... Xylitol, and actually, I wrote that book in 2013. Things have moved on since then. Okay. So, actually, you can, if you don't want to use xylitol, you can use allulose. Okay. But allulose also works. However, can you get
0: allulose in the UK? I am. Um, I think I've heard that you can. I have some from when I was in the US in 2019, and I bought okay, a Okay, so you heated. I cheated. It was very interesting. i tell you a story. It's very interesting. I did a lot of internal flights when I was in America um, and it's very interesting travelling with allulose in your hand luggage. <laughs> uh, yes.
2: Yes, white powders. Mm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Please
2: step over here, madam. <laughs> they would not say madam,
0: but yeah. yeah. Um, um, so, um, so, so, so so allulose, is it like for like? Weight wise?
2: So there's a there's a trick. You you can so the reason it's xylitol or allulose is because everything else makes it freeze like a block of ice. So you can't scoop ice cream that's made with erythritol or ste or any of the other things, monk fruit, stevia you just get a block of ice and you have to get it out of the freezer and you have to leave it for 15 minutes and then you can kind of scoop it but um, who has time for any of that? But, but the texture is just not the same. Right, Even right. if you leave it out to melt for a bit, the texture is just not the same. And these um, these ice creams are like, it's like eating Ben and Jerry's or Harp It's just ice cream. Yep. Tastes the same, scoops, everything's the same. These are just like, except they have none of the, the sugar or the carbs. So xylitol, that's why xylitol. Now, um, some people have issues with xylitol and some people let their dogs eat their food. And dogs have a huge issue with xylitol because it it, it makes their blood sugar drop so low so quickly that they
0: they, they go
2: into I'm a high So if you're really quick, and they didn't eat much, you can actually treat them like a diabetic and get the blood sugar back up, then and, and they'll be okay. However, probably easier not to let your dogs eat human food.
0: And is that not the same for cats? No. Okay.
2: And I know that because mine are all still alive. Yeah. <laughs> as much as I do not feed my cats human food, um, I had Florence. All my cats were named after characters from The Magic Roundabout. Florence, um, she's since passed on, but but Florence, her nickname was the Dairy Queen because she would be in a coma somewhere and I'd open the fridge and I'd get anything dairy out of the fridge and she would silently just like, show up. So, and it was, there were a few times where it was a challenge, like to remember to, if I was eating my ice cream, I had to get up as soon as I'd finished and go rinse it out. Otherwise, Florence less would be there. Um so xylitol or allulose. Now the trick with allulose <clears throat> it's 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 okay. Switch it one for one and the texture's okay but it's not as good as xylitol. So what you can do to make it as good as xylitol is you weigh out you take half an ounce less allulose and add half an ounce by weight of glycerin. Okay. Glycerin. so if the original recipe said four ounces of xylitol you would use three and a half ounces of allulose and a half an ounce of vegetable glycerin that will give you a texture that is indistinguishable from the xylitol version okay it, it's fine with just allulose but it's better with the allulose glycerin mix it's kind of with just allulose it's the best word i can use to describe it is slightly crumbly it's just anyway so that allulose glycerin is will, will give you comparable to xylitol okay xylitol is still my favorite but i know for various reasons people
0: would like to i might try it with that to just to see if i have that same craving that i had that might be interesting to yeah. was it the xylitol that was well I guess it probably was the xylitol so then my other question is
2: okay so eggs are the lack of eggs is because we love eggs eggs are awesome and in fact in terms of keto they're probably like the perfect keto food because it's one-to-one fat and it's just like fabulous love eggs however when it comes to making ice cream eggs make things tricky And they also mean that you have to cook things. And specifically, you have to cook an egg custard. And egg custards can just be annoying and split and cause anxiety. And there's a lot of people who won't even try to make an egg custard. And I wanted anybody, even if you'd like never been in a kitchen before ever, you're new to cooking or whatever, I wanted everybody to be able to make Fantastic keto ice cream, like Hagen Dazs level, Ben and Jerry's level, delicious ice cream. Successfully, mm-hmm. so that's why I developed them all without eggs. So the the, the no eggs was for ease of preparation, rather than and, and encouragement to actually try and make ice cream, rather than anything else.
0: Right,
2: if that made sense, because. Yeah most of these in some of them you have to heat ingredients but there's no actual cooking it's just kind of assembly and heating sometimes or just assembly and blending and and they're so 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 easy and so fast and and you've made my strawberry so you know this is true and the vanilla you know it's true it's assembly easy fast your eggs can't split because they're not in there. Anybody can make the most fantastic ice cream for keto using yeah. this book. Yeah. So that's why no eggs. So it was a technical reason, definitely not a nutrition reason.
0: Okay. And then my other question was about that um, almond milk and coconut milk. Yes. And some of them have that, that cream, almond milk, and um coconut milk yes can you use something else to replace the almond milk because i buy some almond milk very expensive and then end up throwing most of it away
2: oh so one if you have some left over just freeze it okay so don't ever throw it away (laughs) Um, you're you're
0: the queen of saving everything aren't you
2: yeah so just you know if if it comes in the tetra pack Like you use two cups of it, you've got two cups left. Just sling it in the freezer. Okay, good. You might want to write on it two cups so you know how much is in there. But yeah, just freeze it. It'll be fine. So the reasons, the the two reasons why there's different nut milks used in the recipe. So it's not all just one basic recipe. Two reasons. One is flavor. I'm a pastry chef by trade, so I can't help myself. It's like if it doesn't taste absolutely fantastic, then it's just like it. it's a pass. So, for example, when I when I first made, I think it was one of the coffee ones, I used um, hemp milk because it has like this caramelly undertone to hemp milk. And I thought, oh, that would be good in coffee. So I made the coffee with the hemp milk. And I was like, hmm, hmm. And I made it with the almond milk. And with the almond milk, you got pure coffee, whereas with the hemp milk, you didn't. So the number one reason why I use different um, nut milks was flavor. I use the the one that gave the best flavor for each flavor. Yep. And the other uh, reason was I actually think about, I'm a bit mad, I actually think about everything when <laughs> when I develop recipes. I think about flavor and I think about nutrition. So I don't want you eating... Just almonds. So if you if you vary the nut milks you use, you're varying your nutrition. Right. You're getting extra, you know, zinc if you use this, or or extra magnesium if you use that, or whatever. So part of the reason why I changed up the nut milks big reason was flavor, but also nutrition. You're varying the nutrients you get. And also, you know, price. There's some people, oh, oh you can't get it, or you know, whatever. So I I try and think about all of these things when I'm developing recipes. You can. So technically, if you want to use macadamia milk instead of almond milk, you can totally do that. From a technical perspective, they will work. You will just alter the nutrition and you will alter the flavor slightly. Yeah. Uh, They'll work in terms of, will I have ice cream at the end of it? The thing you can't switch out Is where it says, and you'll know because you looked at my book, is that there's coconut milk, and I call it thick coconut milk and I call it thin coconut milk. The thin coconut milk is the stuff that comes in a carton in your Tetra pack, the thick coconut milk is the stuff that comes in a can, Uh and if you put it in the fridge, it goes solid. So you can't interchange those one for another because the fat content is super important. So if you do if you have thin coconut milk, the stuff in the chocolate pack, but you don't have any of the thick coconut milk and you use thin coconut milk where it says thick, you're going to have icy sorbet.
0: Okay, yeah. Yeah, I wondered what, what you meant when you said thick coconut milk in the book because we have here tins of coconut milk and tins of coconut cream. Right, because... And-
2: because manufacturers just need to confuse the heck out of us and make us spend more money yeah so you need That's to their job. Be, they do a great job and and so i think you are looking when you're looking at the can you want like about 15% fat is kind of what you want some coconut creams are higher than that and some are lower than that and some okay. coconut milks are higher than that and some are lower than that so it's just it's just marketing semantics and it makes me crazy but what do yeah. you do yeah you can however if you're looking at thin coconut milk that comes in the tetra pack that's liquid like milk you can use that instead of almond milk if you want to just know that on like if you did that in the strawberry ice cream or the vanilla you would probably get a little bit of coconut flavor or if mm. you, you yeah however if you did that with the chocolate you wouldn't notice the difference because the cocoa is so strong that it would override the yeah the flavor of the milk
0: right when i come back from holiday i might have to have, to have another <laughs> go are you going to share a recipe with us
2: well i thought since we were um were talking about ice cream we we could do peanut butter ice cream
0: Ooh. what do you think yeah i've never i've never fancied trying that but i'm sort of coming so, around to the idea that i might and this is actually this was the first
2: keto ice cream recipe i developed this was my like inaugural ice cream that i developed and i cried i was living in seattle at the time when i made it and i took it out of the freezer and i scooped it and it scooped just like Ben and Jerry's I cried because it was just like oh my goodness I need it anyway so I must point out that I was the ice cream queen pre-keto I used to make ice cream it was my kind of my weekend stress relief slash hobby and I became famous at Microsoft because um when we had meetings I would also show I would always show up with homemade ice cream and <laughs> so then it became like everybody who wasn't on our team or in our group wanted to come to our, they were all like, is there a meeting? Is Karen there? Is it going to be ice cream? <laughs> and we had like random people show up to our meetings because they wanted ice cream.
0: Ice so cream. Right. right. So yes. I knew, I knew a lot
2: about ice cream um, before I went keto.
0: Right. However. It was good because these are mostly keto, aren't they? So this is page 49 in the book. It is. And we need to now –
2: You have American listeners too, so I'll do both. Okay. We need two cups or 16 fluid ounces, which is a pint of hemp milk, unsweetened hemp milk, Um, three quarters of a cup or six fluid ounces of smooth, natural, unsweetened peanut butter, six and oh, I can't even read my own book. Quarter ounces or 175 grams of xylitol, or you can do the the allulose glycerin switch. Uh, half a teaspoon of sea salt half a cup or four fluid ounces of heavy cream a uh, quarter of a teaspoon of vanilla extract and half a teaspoon of gum. and it's very easy this is basically um a as we would call it here a dump and go you dump everything in the blender you whiz it up and that's pretty much it so Um, You're going to place the hemp milk, the peanut butter, your xylitol or aloe, sea salt cream and vanilla extract into a blender And you're going to blend it for 10 seconds just until it's all mixed Then the trick to getting the guar gum into your ice cream Now guar gum gives it a magical technique Guar gum when you freeze it does magical things um, Mm. involving texture and consistency So you don't want to do it without the guar gum However, there's a way to do guar gum. You want to turn the blender to low speed so that you just have that vortex. That's that's the the highest you have it. So you just have the vortex. And while the blender's running, you take that little middle bit out the top of your blender lid and you tap the guar gum through the opening in the lid. You blend it for 30 seconds. No more. Count. Well, if you overblend guar gum, it, it can become chewy unless you like chewy ice cream I'm just yeah. to out it, no, just 30 seconds and then stop yeah then you're going to pour your ice cream into a bowl or a jar you're going to cover it and you're going to place it in the fridge for at least eight hours preferably overnight and again that's a texture thing i actually have a masterclass the Keto Ice Cream Masterclass, which has a million videos. It shows me making every single recipe in the book. It goes through all of the ingredients, choices, everything. It goes through everything. And it it will give you the theory on the whys to all of this. So if, if you really want to become an ice cream expert and wow your friends and family with your ice cream making skills, the Ice Cream Masterclass is for you. You also get a copy of the book. Um, so you're, you're going to put your ice cream custard in the fridge for at least eight hours, preferably overnight. Doesn't matter what kind of churner you have, eight hours or overnight. The next day, you're going to stir that chilled custard to make sure it's completely mixed. And then you are going to put it into your ice cream churner per the manufacturer's instructions. It typically, typically takes between 15 and 20 minutes you're trying to freeze it to a soft-serve consistency. So for you UK, glass from the past, Mr. Whippy consistency is what you're going for in the churner. Yeah. Once you've got it to Mr. Whippy consistency, you're going to transfer it into into whatever container you're going to freeze it in. For me, that's glass because I I don't like plastic, so I put it in Pyrex, cover it. And you're going to put it in the freezer for, again, eight hours or preferably overnight until it's fully frozen. Yeah. And then you're going to get it out and you're going to scoop it and you're going to be amazed. And then you're going to eat it and you're going to go, wow, this makes keto so much easier. Yeah. Which is the biggest thing I get is like, I I couldn't have done this if I hadn't have had your ice cream like give the ice cream was that little scoop of ice cream every night was the thing that kept me going was the thing that made it possible to like you know miss all the other stuff and get over the cravings so
0: cool thank you for sharing that yeah you're welcome so is there anything else you wanted to talk about because we've been going on for quite a long time now we're in an hour and a half in we have Um, So is there anything else you wanted to talk about? Or do you want to tell people how they can contact you, tell them about your books and things and your classes? So
2: my website is CarrieBrown.com because I like to keep things simple and I can actually remember that. And most of the time I can actually type that. Mm -hmm. So CarrieBrown.com and you'll find links to everything there. Um, I'm also on mostly Facebook um you're welcome to my personal wall is completely open so you can see everything that's going on there and i also have a facebook group and it's private just so that people feel safe in there uh the keto kitchen facebook group come in there um what else i do have books i have five i've written five keto cookbooks ice cream scoop um the keto crock pot the keto Soup Bowl keto for the holidays and 101 101 keto beverages with the forward by dr. Ted Naman hey the star um, uh, there I I think that drinks beverages is what slips a lot of people up because for some reason when we drink something it doesn't seem to have the same kind of weight as food we're, we're a lot more careful about what we eat in terms of food than drinks just don't feel important somehow so mm. 101 keto beverages there are i also did master classes there is a keto ice cream scoop master class where there's videos of i mean everything you would ever want to know about the ins and outs of ice cream wildly popular people who've been in the master class have just absolutely like lost their minds
0: um so come access so that Just by going on your website? Or is it run at certain times of the year?
2: No. And it's actually, originally I did it, I I launched it right at the beginning of the pandemic and I did it like every month I ran a class and it was like a four or five week class. And people loved it. But then with people's schedules, sometimes it it was hard for them to kind of, why should they work on my schedule? So then I made it completely self-run so you turn up you watch it when it suits you however there is a facebook group a private facebook group for masterclass so you can all, if you have a question you can always reach out to me and get your questions answered even though it's it's not in a like a month long class and you have access forever So there's the Keto Ice Cream Scoop Masterclass and also Keto for the Holidays Masterclass where there's a video of me making every single recipe in the book and, again, all the the technical stuff. And and then every fall, autumn, I do weekly lives where people that are in the Masterclass can come and ask me specific questions and get help on holiday things. Yeah. So there's that. else
0: but Um, i mean we're going to put in the the links in the show notes for your website and so there they they can find everything
2: the 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 three the three things i would i would like people to take away is
0: i was going to ask you that let me get there (laughs) (laughs) so carrie (laughs) what are your three top tips (laughs) so they're not tips they're kind of like okay takeaways
2: things to consider get your dna done yeah, it I, it was the thing that that changed my life. Ultimately, it was getting my DNA that started me off on on this whole journey to living my dream life, which I literally do now. And so, get your DNA done. Like, put it on your Christmas list. Like, you but like, just don't drink coffee for a month and do your DNA. Do your DNA. Um, and actually, on my website there is a and I'll send the link to Jackie so she can post it. It's like a step by step. This is what I did: go here, go here, go here, go here, and here. Right. So that's all there because I I just couldn't respond to all the requests for that information, so I did blog post for that. Um, the other thing I would say is if you are stuck, try PSMF for two weeks and see what happens. Yeah. And if you're in the states and you can, or in. Um, down under you can get keto chow do the keto chow way that recipe that i described and exactly what i'm doing is in my facebook group so you can come there and see that anytime and the last thing i would would i'd like to encourage you to do is 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 be kind be kind let's all Mm. be kind to our fellow humans because there's been a lot of misery and nastiness and just like misery and um i think we could collectively reduce a lot of the stress that i think a lot of us are feeling if we just focused on being kind to one another
0: yeah i really like that because there's a lot of division around and a lot of animosity and a lot of intolerance of other people and what other people yeah. want yeah um we don't all have to be the same, and we don't all have to follow the rules. On...
2: And, and it, it's not helping, and it's not serving. It, it's not the divisiveness is not. It, it's not helpful, and and in fact, I think particularly, probably because I'm I'm so focused on it that the 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 low carb slash keto community has really suffered from a lot of divisiveness and 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 disconnect and misinformation and and a lot of people and i know it because they write and tell me a, a lot of people have just kind of thrown their hands up and said i i don't know who to follow anymore i don't know what to believe anymore i just there's all this infighting and arguing and and i just i'm left feeling like i just don't even know what to eat anymore so i'm just going to eat whatever yeah and so it's actually hurting us. It's doing the exact opposite of, of what we say we're here to do. Yeah. So that just makes me really, really sad. Yeah. So um, just, you know, I, I wish people would just take the politics and the religion and all that stuff away and just give us the
0: keto. <laughs> yeah. And, but at the end of the day, like you said earlier on, we're all different and yeah, so absolutely you know different people respond to different ways and you have to just work out which way is for you right and but just if what one person says doesn't work for you doesn't mean it's wrong right it means it's not right, right for you find find someone else right but also
2: if, if you've been and again i get emails about this all the time like if someone that you used to respect and follow in the keto community has kind of, you know, gone a bit sideways or is, is just, you know, find someone else to follow. Don't, don't terminate your journey to health because someone else it's you don't different. even know personally has kind of, you know, gone off the ranch. Yeah. Don't jeopardize your health over somebody else's political agenda or religious agenda or whatever else it is like if you know finds find your
0: tribe find your tribe
2: yeah find your tribe and 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 sometimes that tribe changes and that's fine and and yeah we're not all the same and keto looks different to different people and that's fine. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't care. I really couldn't give a flying fig what people who have qualifications in psychiatry or or medicine say about my story. I don't care. What I care about is that I'm still alive.
0: It's how you feel.
2: What I care about is that I'm no longer suicidally depressed. What I care about is that I now have my dream life. That's what I care about. Absolutely. science doesn't back it up, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) What I care about is my life experience. Yeah. So, yeah, just you, you... you've got to keto in a way that works for you and if it's different to someone else's it doesn't mean you're wrong
0: no and it doesn't
2: mean they're wrong you have to do what makes you feel best regardless of you know I mean when keto was kind of a relatively new thing it was like you know eat nuts. And and so you're following a bunch of people and, and the overarching story is eat nuts. And then person A over here who you follow says, oh, peanuts are bad. And then someone over here says, oh, cashews are bad. And then someone over here says, oh, you can only eat macadamia nuts. And then that person says, no, you can't eat macadamia nuts. And then this person says, no, you can't eat that, but you can do this. And then you're just left there sitting there thinking,
0: I'm not going to I, eat any of it. I thought nuts were
2: good. Now nuts are bad. Like, where does it leave me? Like, and and I thought meat was good, but now meat, like, now but I can't eat this piece of meat or I can't eat, or I have to have 95 ground beef or whatever. And, and so, and it was just like, and me and you were in it day in, day out. And if I'm sitting here going, holy cow, what the heck? I can't imagine what what folks who you know don't do this as a as a day job are thinking. Yeah, and it just it's it ultimately
0: none of that is helping us. No, and and then people tend to walk away from it, and therefore when they're not getting the benefits, right, and, and they're bad mouthing about it, right. So then no one else, so other people don't come in. Whereas ultimately, what we want is we want people to improve their health. and to feel better and you know you said your mood your mood improves I was I a depressed person I don't know but not severely like you but my mood is so much better I am so I'm so much kinder to people um and things like that all these benefits that we we feel as a consequence of changing our diet most people could could achieve that
1: if we weren't
0: so divisive in how to do it, you have to be clean. You, can't, you know, it, it's, I'm very permissive it's, with my it's clients. Actually, it's, it's what works for you.
2: What makes me the saddest about COVID is that it's actually pushed so, not COVID hasn't, but the people in the and low carb community have brought in so much divisiveness that a lot of people have now just thrown up their hands and left. So now they're back to sad, like which is absolute opposite of why we were all here in the first place. Yeah. So just my be kind and don't let some random person <laughs> on the internet. If if you if you decide you don't want to follow them anymore, don't follow them, but don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Absolutely. Don't. Jeopardize your health journey over the political, religious, whatever other life divisiveness that's going on for someone that you used to follow on your keto path. Find a new tribe.
0: Yeah, there's plenty of us out there
2: because you're worth it. You're worth staying. And I know that it's become very divisive and confusing, but stick to what. you you know, at some point, he show made you feel fantastic. Just go back to that. And then stop following people who don't make you feel good. Just, you know, stick with what, you know, stick with what makes you feel good and, and find, find kind groups, find groups where it's not about politics or religion or, or any of that. Just, Find groups that are truly focused on your health and well-being.
0: Yeah, very good. That's it. Rant over. Thank you, Carrie. Carrie's personal story is very poignant. And I wonder how many other people have bipolar or other mental health issues and they are suffering needlessly because they can't methylate B vitamins. B vitamins are crucial for brain health, and a person lacking in vitamin B12 may have memory impairment or other brain disorders. Some people's diets are really lacking in B12 and other B vitamins, and then on top of that, if they then have the MTHFR mutation and can't methylate them, then they're really going to struggle. And it was great to be able to ask some of the questions I had and i had been wondering about relating to ice cream from Carrie's book because you read the book and you don't always get you know there's there's questions you have like my one when I started making it is especially if it's we're in the UK or I'm in the UK you might not be um but you might have it the other way round. um So being in the UK and Carrie, although she's British, she's writing for an American audience, says thick coconut milk. And I'm thinking, hmm, what is thick coconut milk? Is it coconut cream? And and it seems like what Carrie calls thin coconut milk is what we would in the UK, we would call coconut water. So. Yeah, it's all these different little different explanations. And, you know, you might if you're in the in the US, you might find that some things that we say here in the UK are very, very different. And you're thinking, "Mm, what does that mean? So it's very interesting how we all speak the same language and yet we all have different words and mean different things. So I haven't. So in in the pod when we recorded this podcast I said I was going to have another go at making ice cream and I haven't done that yet um and peanut butter ice cream never sounded particularly enticing for me but I'm I'm going to give it a go I think uh I'm in the podcast I said I'm on holiday uh um uh, when I get back from holiday and actually, I've been back from that holiday and I'm now on another holiday. <laughs> so, um yeah, we shall. When, and then when I get back, I've only got a couple of weeks and I'm going away again. So I've got three holidays in three months. So maybe in June, July, I will have give it a go and see what happens and if I like it. Um The link to Carrie's ice cream book is in the show notes and she have, has other books available. So the show notes can be found at fabulouslyketo.com forward slash podcast forward slash zero eight six. It would be great if you could support us through Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash fabulouslyketo and you can choose the monthly amount you wish.
1: Can you recommend a guest we can interview? If you can, click on the link in the show notes to send us your recommendation.
0: Would you like to join our Facebook group? Search for Fabulously Keto on Facebook. Our Facebook page is called Fabulously Keto and you can follow us there. Or you can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Fabulously Keto. Or follow us on Instagram, Fabulously Keto 1. Did you enjoy the show? Let us know you listened by tagging us in your Insta story or Instagram post using the handle fabulouslyketo1 and the hashtag TFKP. All the links are on the website and in the show notes.
1: If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, click the subscribe button. Reviews help us to be found and reach new listeners.